Welcome to the early days of Micromobility podcast. I have to say, uh, it's an honor to have you on. We've known each other for many years, worked together in different companies, and I definitely, definitely had to have you on this podcast if I wanted to tell the story of the early days of micromobility because a lot of people probably know in this industry, there is no micromobility without the voice of Praben, whether it's on LinkedIn, Twitter, <laughs> at, at events. Praben is always there, has an opinion, has experience uh, in terms of operations, IoT, everything. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And uh, I want to tell the story of you, <laughs> why you got into the industry, but then we will also discuss, of course, your impact to the industry. Thank you for having me and uh, congrats. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really good that you started something like this because I always say that we have to have more voice from across the globe. And, and from Europe, we don't have a lot of voice. And I'm, I'm really glad that you started this podcast. Yeah, exactly. And, and the idea is also to make our industry more accessible to, to the wider public, right? Because Absolutely. sometimes it's people don't really know what's going on and stuff. So it's really nice. And uh, I, I am very happy with the guests that I was able to get. Uh, very, very happy. You have great guests. So to kind of like kick off this, this episode, I want to know a little bit about your background because you have a very interesting background and degree. I want to know like the things that really shaped you and helped you become who you are and really uh, drove you to this industry. I'll try to keep it short. So I, I come from a very small town in India, south of India, uh, did my schooling there. And luckily, I was fortunate to have uh, education in English. So that's how I could speak English. The town where I come from, uh, there's not a lot of access to external world. So the only way we could learn about things is uh, books or magazines or, or talking to people. Right. And uh, when I was very young, I was super curious about, about different things. And um, that's when I jumped into coding. So I, I learned programming early on uh, in, a, in a very small institute there. Uh, started learning about electronics and many other things. So generally, I was curious about many things. And uh, in doing so, I also bumped into astrophysics. So, so early on, I was like super interested in astrophysics. I was trying to you know, learn more, uh, you know, build new theories then with whatever limited knowledge that I had. And, and when I had to decide on what I want to learn, you know, pursue as my, uh, for, for university, I knew how to code and electronics was, I thought it wasn't a big deal because, you know, everybody were doing electronics, mechanical engineering wasn't so attractive either. And aerospace was something that was just coming up in India. Right. So th there was a lot of, uh, you know, research on the space side, but aeronautical engineering as such was just coming up and there were very few graduating out of university. And I found that as a challenging topic to learn. Right. So, th so the reason why I picked that is because it was completely alien to me. I mean, there, there's no other, you know, fancy <laughs> story behind that, it. That's very interesting because like it shows that you need a challenge. Uh, and that you are looking for challenges based on on, on uh, what you just explained. Absolutely. So, I mean, for, for me, uh, I, I think I love the process of learning new things. It doesn't mean that it'll stick in my brain for a very long time, and I will remember everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you know, it's it, life is just one shot, so you have to use all the opportunities to learn new things. Exactly. Right? So that's how I got into aerospace, and then after getting into aerospace, I was fortunate enough to have uh, really good colleagues there uh, where I learned a bit more of coding, a bit more of electronics, a bit more about, you know, what you can achieve in life. Right. Yeah. And uh, so so that, that that's my journey there. And um, when, when I was in my third 
year of my university, I got selected in a campus placement. So there's a companies coming to campus and picking, you know. Uh, they only pick uh, the top, the top tier students, right? I mean, you need to mention that as well. <laughs> kind of, kind of. So, so, so they they picked four four out of many, and uh, that's how I got into the aerospace industry as well as such. So it, it was a startup. Uh, based in Bangalore, where they were working on different engineering problems linked to aerospace. Okay. And uh, I, I worked in different fields like design of aero, aero, aircraft structures and analysis of aircraft structures. But then even there, I was not so much focused on, you know, the aerospace aspect of it. But then I was so fascinated about the entire concept of company building. So I was I was jumping into different things about, you know, recruitment or, or, or finance or business. So anywhere I could say I could get an opportunity, I was just jumping on. The reason why I'm saying this is that I'm not a specialist. So I, I am a generalist trying to, you know, learn different aspects of uh, things. But would you say that you try to specialize in a certain subject that you put your mind to and dig deeper and because yeah so i mean i think one of the foundations that i had is about how to learn right so i think i think that's that's a very important skill yeah, set exactly right? once you once you have the basics of uh, different things like for example physics chemistry and other things right or basics of engineering basics of coding you can build on top of that right yeah. so uh, at a different phase of life what uh, what happened is that maybe i would pick a certain topic for example many years ago i, I started a company uh, that was focusing on artists Right. So then I, I started diving deeper into art and, you know, the, the field of, you yeah. know, gen general arts. Right. And uh, for for example, for at Kite, I wanted to build my own software. Right? I remember you, you coded Kite. Yeah. I think it was like in two weeks or something. Yeah. I remember you told me, I was like, hey, I just coded Kite in two weeks. I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if, if I have to dive deeper and build something with a goal, I, I can build that. Purely, it's not that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like super good in coding and I could build that. I know how to do Google search and, you know, find the right resources yeah. and, then, and then start building. Yeah. Right? So I think I think the, the base of what I am today, it's based on the fact that I learned to learn new <laughs> skills. <laughs> that's a, that's a, nice, a nice way of putting it. So uh, how did you ultimately end up in Belgium and then end up in mobility? Did you first do like the corporate uh, mm -hmm. route, like, you know, most people? So it was this aerospace company that I, you know, that that I was part of, and then I moved on to another uh, aerospace startup as well, uh, based in Bangalore, where we grew the company from just three or four people to thirty when I exited. Yeah. And uh, so these two were startups, right? Startup scale-ups, and I also had this company called Rhapsody, which was into you know um, helping artists. So it was a startup as well. But uh, I, I felt that what I lacked was probably a corporate exposure, where you know you you get exposed to processes and all that. And I joined a French engineering company and um, I, I worked in India for a couple of years for that uh, engineering firm. And there was an opportunity to move to uh, Europe. I mean, I, I, I said yes. I <laughs> uh, did not know what the challenge was, but then I said yes and uh, came to Belgium and uh, was very challenging for me. But then I managed to uh, survive within the corporate, you know, uh, trying to build new business models within the company. And that was my corporate stint. Uh, I, I, I still feel that I probably overstayed 
I should have jumped into starting business much earlier. But then uh, it, it also gave me sufficient time for me to think about what ventures that I want to create and also shape myself a little bit, you know, yeah. in terms of learning how a company should be run. Exactly, right? exactly. I think with my own personal like experience, it was good for me to first work at Uber for a year because you learn things like, um, you know, being structured, like, you know, things that you, as a startup founder, first, first time startup founder, things that you might not know and those are the mistakes that you know you can learn from the corporates. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think startups are good, and and you you learn a specific skill set from startups. But then a corporate exposure gives you much more, uh, and 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 I mean and much more meaning. Like yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, when you scale up the company, you have to get to a, a stage where you bring some structure and process in place. Which, if you have a corporate exposure where it's like you know super process oriented, you could borrow a couple of things that could be useful when you scale exactly, up. Exactly, exactly. So. Uh, after the corporate uh, experience, did you jump into mobility right away? Let's first say well, around what time was that? Was because we need to put the timing because I remember the early days were wild. I want to know. Yeah, so 2011 was when I got into this corporate job. 2014 was when I came to Belgium. And uh, 2018 was when I started my first company in Belgium. It, it was a time when I, when I decided that, you know, I want to work on three different ideas. Okay. And uh, three were not related to mobility, but then, you know, it was in blockchain and different things and uh, started building prototypes around it. Yeah. So, so one was blockchain, one was in, uh, in in news curation. You were already doing blockchain back then? I, I was trying to. So so there okay. was, the, uh, what I thought was that, you know, I would focus on three ideas and probably one would materialize. Yeah. Right. So one was blockchain and another another one was uh, uh, in, in news curation. So I, I built a prototype for that as well. I call it as uh, off the day. So it's like, you know, news of the day or photo of the day and all that. So I built a pro prototype around it, had a team working on it as yeah. well. And then the third one was uh, helping European companies outsource uh, to different countries, right? And and based on uh, a bunch of uh, cultural theories. So, okay. uh, you know, there are, there are some cultural metrics that you can use for you to have efficient global shoring. Yep. So, so these are three ideas that I worked on. And then I said, I, I'll keep six months for it. And uh, finally, Maiton materialized. Yep. So Maiton was the first company that, that, that I launched uh, in Europe. When, when when working on Maiton, that's how I uh, you know met uh, you know uh, Stefan Behus, exactly, yeah. uh, who was my ex colleague at uh, the the corporate job, and uh, there was uh, we, we were at an event and and he came with a fancy device, a mobility device, a two wheel device, and it said Freel. And I don't know if you remember then it it was just a sticker black text on white uh, yeah 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 and 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 it was a, it was just a sticker on a, on a e twelve scooter right so I was so so fascinated by the form factor and this is the first time I'm seeing a e scooter in flesh right and I asked him about it and and he gave he 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 let me try it and then he put you put me in touch with you and that's when I started uh, you know reading more about what those e scooters are and uh, you know the the entire market right this was in in 2018. I believe, and uh, with, within Mayton, uh, in 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 the due course of doing business, I I met uh, Cedric. So that's uh, my co-founder. He was working on a company called Click on Bike, which he founded a couple of years ago. Yeah, so exactly. they were into bike sharing, and and uh, they were at a juncture where they were trying to see what to do next. Right, and and that's when I met him, and then we we sat together and and built Emotion Labs. So Emotion Labs is a company that uh, took. Uh, inspiration from what we built at Click and Bike, which is like, you know, building bikes and all that, but then the electronics part of it, the IoT, 
And then we said, uh, hey, I mean, with the Nemotion Labs, we could probably build uh, this entire stack of uh, electronics and the software stack around it. Not the fleet management system, but the device management system. The communication modules. Then. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Communication module and the software stack around communication modules. Exactly. Right? And that's how I got into mobility. So, you know, it, it was Emotion Labs and, and, and also like, you know, uh, seeing Freel for the first time. That's how I jumped into mobility. I, I remember, uh, so once the fund put us in contact, the first time we met it was uh, at uh, co-station yeah, yeah. and one thing that was striking uh, after we talked is that you asked me how many scooters I was going to you know to, to launch in the, in the near future and I was thinking about a few hundreds yeah. and then you said no you need to have like a few <laughs> thousands you know and I was just starting out I was like yeah. oh that's a few thousands you know absolutely uh, that's something that really struck us was very interesting to me it, it, it was it was very interesting because I mean uh, we know about Tier Y and Lime and all these guys but then Freel was much earlier than many of these guys right I mean in, in Brussels when when Freel launched right uh, to, to corporates and all that there were there, there was no tier there was no dot right exactly and 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 I strongly felt that you know maybe if you had like you know a couple of thousand devices put them in the streets uh, I think you would have this advantage of being you know much earlier to the market yeah, if we had received good funding absolutely uh, everything was possible you know uh, actually uh, last night I saw a picture from back in the days with with Freel it was a picture of six people looking at an itpo on the ground yeah I know that picture yeah, yeah, you saw it on Twitter, right? And I couldn't believe that back then I was actually, you know, doing demos and having people look at an Itwo scooter like yeah. it's like a revolutionary thing. And Absolutely. that was like back in 2018, you know. Uh, it's very, very cool to to look back uh, on, on those days. And I mean, like I said, I mean, Itwo had the right form factor, even the weight. I, I think you guys did a good thing with the with the scooter selection, especially for... Well, the, the, all, the, all the credits to, to Stefan because Stefan, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. he, he did the research and... okay. Yeah, and, and it, it it was also like new for everybody. I mean, we, we didn't have all these scooter craze then. I mean, right? it was exciting when you tried the scooter, right? Yeah. It was very, Absolutely. I mean, and it's a good quality. The Ito was yeah. was great quality back then. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know <laughs> where they went now, but... It's it's a very good personal scooter. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's one of the best. All right, so... Um, that's how you got into the, the, yeah. the micromobility industry, Yeah, that's right? how I got into micromobility. And, and like I said, one of the things about me is that uh, if, I, if I get into a, a certain uh, industry or a certain technology, I dive, I dive much deeper, right? And uh, that's what I did with micromobility as well, right? And, uh, and also, like, you know, when you dive deeper, you, you learn more insights and there's no point in you keeping those insights to yourself, right? Yeah, and, exactly. And, and the best thing that you can do is like share. Right? Exactly. And uh, and also uh, at the start of uh, all this micromobility ventures, I was nobody. I mean, nobody knew me, right? Everybody was new, right? Yeah. Like it yeah. was a great opportunity to really, you know, exactly. uh, have an impact. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and for you to succeed in any industry, you have to create a brand for yourself, right? And there's no better way to create a brand uh, for yourself other than, you know, sharing what you learn, right? And if you look at my Twitter feed or, or LinkedIn feed, it's it's all about my learnings, yep. right? I mean, what I learn, I just put it out, right? Exactly. Yeah. And and whatever thought process that I have, I just put, it, put that out, right? Yep. So that many others can learn, right? Yep. And that's something that I also do when I meet people as well. It's not that, you know, I hold back what I know, even if you meet me for an hour, I'll give you so much insights that I learned that, you know, you know, it's it's much better to share exactly without any expectations than... There is no point in holding the knowledge for yourself because like you said, the the true value is in learning and learning and learning, right? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. you know, you need to share the, the knowledge and you just need to continue learning. Exactly. And, and when, you, when you have a 
certain certain theses or thought about something when you share people actually debate about it they they actually you know and it can improve right exactly like, yeah. exactly exactly so you know if if you if you think about my thought process say 2 3 years ago about micro mobility and how it is right now i don't think it would have matured without me sharing things out in twitter linkedin or talking to people yeah i i remember you were one of the first or the one of the early people who was uh, consistently you know putting reports online talking about the the app yep. data I remember you were one of the early people like sharing the app data discussing the app data you know the the usage yeah. uh I mean and you were doing it for free <laughs> yeah and, and uh, it 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 was my monthly uh, kind of Learn, learning experience so what I used to do is like at the end of every month I think I used to block like two days or something to read through every uh comment that users put on these apps right both on uh Apple and and uh, yeah, I, I and, remember and, and Google yeah so <laughs> I, i wrote a script to to scrape all this data and then i used to read each and every one and then classify it 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 was basically a learning experience for me right and so you know when you when you know what users want then you can also build better products right and then i thought okay fine you know i'm learning more so why not just put that out right so and i'm pretty sure it, it did help uh, a bunch of people to to shape up you know their services yeah as well. exactly that's that's exactly what i was going to say because you know people listened to you because you know you would say okay uh, most accidents were because of this or that and people like you know saw it and then uh, improved it you know otherwise if they nobody speaks about it they they might not uh, <laughs> not, not not do anything about it right so yeah and and uh, it's an advice to anybody starting companies go to app stores read those reviews it's a treasure trove because right? i mean those are the reviews that matter right yeah. those are your users you know you're, exactly. you're paying users so yeah yeah i mean positive feedback is good but then you know uh, what i also constantly there is like you know all the negative feedback that people give uh, not to dwell in negativity but then you you can learn a lot and improve more right well, yeah you usually improve faster through the neg- i mean to yeah, negative yeah. comments because you know you can improve what what, exactly. what was negative right but positive feedback is an affirmation but the negative feedback is is a, is a, is an opportunity for you to improve yeah. right so uh, i would not want to be in a place where i only have positive feedback yeah. because <laughs> <laughs> that means that i'm probably not improving or innovating enough absolutely <laughs> absolutely then the end is usually near <laughs> yeah yeah So uh, so yeah I mean th- th- those reports uh, helped me learn as well and then help uh, helped a lot of other people as well and also you know created a created kind of a conversation with with a lot of people right and uh, which which was healthy and good yeah exactly and what is very important for this industry is uh, the collaborations between different um, you know companies hardware software uh, and I know uh, you put me in contact with a lot of people in the early days and yeah. you were really someone who who could easily connect with Uh, an IoT provider, mm-hmm. a software provider, or a hardware provider. How how come you were able to easily connect with different types of business or industries? Personally speaking, the way I work is that I I connect dots. I'm very good in connecting dots, right? So if if I talk to somebody and 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 if I had a conversation with somebody else that uh, was interesting, and 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 if I feel that you know there could be synergies connecting these two people, I always do. right i know that there are some people they they charge a fee for connecting people but then you know for me it's like uh, you know if 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 i find it interesting i always connect people right i think the industry was so early on that everybody was seeking out to everybody else 
Exactly, right? yeah. Like, for example, uh, scooter providers were seeking out to IoT and software providers, right? And and, and uh, operators, operators were seeking out for every other services that were available, right? So I think it was pretty easy for us to connect. Uh, within each other because you know every, the, the seeking was seeking was mutual yeah and indeed like you say like the need was there right yeah. like if you need to if you want to provide like a sharing business you need an iot absolutely you need hardware you need software so you need to work together uh, in any ways right uh so around 2018 uh, so when we all started that's when the scooters were coming from america i guess to europe and it was crazy it was really like I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before, the way it grew, yeah. the amount of money that went in. I mean, how did you look at it uh, at those at those early days? Like, I like when uh, human beings experiment on new things, right? And, and uh, you know, it could end up in a failure, but then uh, in many cases, these tiny experiments is what pushed humanity forward, right? Yeah, so exactly. um, I was excited. Uh, that that uh, you know Brussels was flooded with scooters, right? <laughs> on 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 one hand, yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, I mean, th- th- uh, of, of course, there was like you know a lot of mess and you know all the stuff. That's secondary, but then I was I was excited that you know there's a new way of moving around, which is like fun and exciting. That's 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 just flooding. Yeah. Right. I actually, when I look back, I think a lot of companies started out in Brussels or yeah. using Brussels as a test. I remember yeah. Thiers, uh, dot dot. Uh, there was Voy at that time. There was exactly. uh, um, the, the the company from um, from Daimler collaboration. Uh, Hive. Uh, Hive was here. Uh, there was I also think... a local player from uh, from from Brussels. So th- everybody came to Brussels. I, I think I think it is also because Brussels is a is a is a bit of an easy city to approach. Right, the, the the city officials are probably a bit flexible. But then on the other hand, if you really want to, you know, take a bunch of cities and see which cities to go to, Brussels has, I think, about 2 million population overall. Uh, Berlin has 3.5 million. Uh, and if you look at the the density, it's a bit higher than many other cities. Right? Exactly. And then if you also add in a factor of uh, GDP per capita, Brussels is one of the highest. If you do this math, if you take a list of you know, all the cities and do a math, Brussels is definitely beyond the top, top, right? With London and Paris and Berlin. Right, so uh, I, I feel that maybe math led all these scooters to us as well. But uh, yeah, but, but still, most of them left Brussels after a while. Yeah, then, and but now they are coming back. Uh, I think true, true. Let's get back to the <laughs> to the early days. Let's keep it chronological. So I would like to know how you were able to build Emotion Lab, because it ended up playing a big part in the industry in terms of the IoT. So you started. In 2018, when yep. you met Cedric, and I know, uh, I think Cedric, his company was doing bike share. I think it yep. was more like tourism-based yep. uh, bike share. So they also had to do like a, a switch uh, into IoT because yep. it's, it's a bit, it's a different field. I mean, it's a different game, I would say, right? So true. Yeah. So um, Cedric's company, it was called Click and Bike, and right. and uh, what they were doing was uh, building custom e-bikes specifically for tourism. Right, and this was I think around 2015, 16. So they were they were one of the early earliest ones to build e-bikes on their own, right? With uh, with very very small capital. I, I don't think they they raised crazy amounts of money. And was it a sh- was it shared or was it like renting or like it, did they have any technology in it? Yeah. So so the the challenge then was that uh, connecting these bikes to the cloud. Otherwise, you cannot you know yeah. put it for rental for tourism, right? So then uh, they they had a big tablet like like an iPad which was attached to the handlebar. 
Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and the idea was that, you know, if, if you go to a touristic place, you rent one of these bikes from the, the hotel, right? And say, say, for example, if you go to Paris or something, you rent it from the hotel and then say that, hey, I want to take a 10 kilometer bike ride. So uh, the, the, the system would automatically suggest a route taking you to important locations across the city. Okay. Right. And, uh, and, and the tablet also uh, helped connect the bike to the cloud. How was the bike connected to the tablet then? So the bike was connected to the IoT directly? Oh, no. So, so the tablet had the IoT and, okay. and, and the bike was connected to the IoT. So uh, it, was, it was kind of like an external IoT, but then connected to the subsystems of the bike. Oh, wow. Right. So, so for example, you know, you can lock the bike, unlock the bike, read all the vitals and everything. Right. This was early days, right? So that's why you had like, you know, this large tablet. But then it, it was impressive that they, they built the bike, the tablet, IoT and everything with very less capital. The, 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 the market is also challenging, right? And, and these are expensive. Unless you have like, you know, crazy scale, it doesn't make much sense, right? So uh, they, they were at a point to, to where they were deciding whether to continue the sharing business uh, or uh, to, to pivot to something else, right? That's, that's when I came in and, and then we decided that it's best to focus on the tech that we learned from it because IoT was very new, right? Exactly. Very few were connecting e-bikes to the cloud. Exactly. And and we had the technology for that, right? So we said, okay, fine, you know, let's take that and 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 focus purely on that because there were very few companies doing that in a in a right way, right? And uh, initially, uh, our, our competency was in e-bikes, but then the e-scooter craze came in. So so we jumped on that as well. We, we didn't have success like Commodule. Commodule was on a completely different scale. But then we we did have, uh, you know, a tiny contribution there, right? Yeah. But the challenge there was that uh, if, you, if you look at Segway and Okai, right, they were coming up with new models very, uh, in, a, in a very short period of time, exactly, right? Yeah. But then for you to iterate on an IoT, it takes a couple of months as well, right? And uh, on top of that, Segway and uh, Okai, they, they did a pretty uh, decent job in having their own IoT. And, um, and and specifically Okai, you know, with the integrated IoT, it made much more sense for uh, for players to just use that. Um, and, uh, and and from our point of view, it did not make much sense to focus on scooters a lot. But then we, we started focusing on e-bike companies like, you know, Fuel and, you know, a couple of all, all these big brands who would say, hey, I mean, in, in two years, we want to bring, bring this bike to the market and then work with them to put IoT on their e-bikes. So, so that's what we focused on. And uh, that's how we came to Bond. So Bond uh, was a, a very big e-bike player, right? So they had their own speed e-bikes and they were moving away from Stromers to their, their custom e-bike. So, and, and we had a commercial collaboration with them and, and then which eventually uh, led to very interesting conversation <laughs> within, with, between both companies because they were raising funds as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, we were raising funds as well, yeah. right? And uh, it it makes much more sense to vertically integrate uh, in in micro mobility. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And uh, so so we had the IoT tech and software uh, because I also built the the Kite platform, which is which is a fleet management yeah. system, apps, and everything. So it all made sense to bring these two companies together and and go fundraising together. Yeah. Right. And that's how the acquisition happened in 2020. Yeah, exactly. It was it was a ma match made in heaven because if they wanted to make their own custom e-bike, they needed to make the IoT as well, right? Yeah. The IoT um, business, it's very difficult to start from zero if you don't have the experience. So it makes more sense to, you know, partner with uh, with Emotion Lab. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, who already has the experience and, and, and know-how. 
Yeah, and and uh, it it made sense that you know for them it is like uh, the 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 IoT part, software, everything is taken taken care of. And uh, like like I was um, saying about vertical integration in micro mobility, what's super important important is like you know vertically integrating all core value blocks, which are super important for you, for you to you know deliver a seamless yeah. service, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and and it made sense to bring these two companies together. Yeah, and uh, would you say like there's a a huge difference between scooters? And e-bikes, when it comes to the to the IoT and the communication model, like, can you, I mean, I guess you cannot use the same mm-hmm. type of IoT for a scooter and a bike. We were, in fact, using the same IoT for uh, for scooters okay. and e-bikes. I mean, if, if you look at it from uh, from the data that you draw and the and the operational logic, yeah. it's kind of similar, right? So, so basically, you can use the same hardware, but then the firmware that runs on it might be it's, different, yeah. right? Because bikes have a different protocol, and 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 uh, scooters, based on the brands, they have different protocols exactly. as well, right? So, uh, you you can still use the same hardware. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, because I, I would think that you know, because electric bikes, um, they have a lot of like wires and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. it's it's difficult. I, I guess it's more difficult to like control an electric bike than it is to uh, control like a electric scooter. But um, no, I, I I think e-scooter, sorry, uh, e-bikes are much more mature. Yeah. that you can draw uh, much more information than e-scooters, right? Okay. So for e-scooters, if you, if you look at Okai and Segway, they have a certain set of protocols, and you know they would limit what data um, that you see or control, right? Or, or, or what subsystems that you control, right? Yeah, yeah. But for e-bikes, it's not like that. I mean, I, th- I think it's a bit more mature that, uh, you know, you have motor controller, you have battery management systems, which are much more mature, where you have you have much more control. From a hardware perspective, just to conclude that, uh, f- hardware perspective might not have a lot of differences. Okay. The only thing is that for uh, e-bikes, if in case you want to have a concealed uh, module, so for example, you know, you want to have it in a, in a instead of frame or something, right? Then you might have to make some form factor adjustments, right? Same goes for scooters as well, but that's the only difference. But uh, from a firmware perspective, you can have a bunch of blocks which are like common, like call it as device OS, but then uh, you you just build few blocks on top of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So 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 there are there are a lot of commonalities between these two. Before like going on over to the next topic, what I really want to know is how you and uh, Cedric were able to start um, Emotion Labs so fast uh, and then like move over to, I mean, partner with, with Bond in a short period of time because obviously you, ha- you have the software when it comes to the communication modules, but you also have like the physical things, right? I guess you need to uh, make models, you need to like iterate uh, and over uh, what time were you able to build the company and then, um, you know, sell it, I guess? Yeah, I think I think uh, we, uh, everything came together somewhere in December 2018. That's when we like, you know, did the uh, rebranding and, and, and a small uh, bridge financing as well. Yeah. And we kind of kickstarted from there. Okay. Right? So so we, we started reorganizing the company, uh, making the company very lean. And uh, I, I think within a couple of months, we had our first prototype to build on. Uh and then we moved from a, we, we were in a very small a town called Husselt, not yes, even Husselt, yes. right? So, <laughs> uh, and uh, we we moved from there to Koda campus, which is like a much better campus. We started attracting like you know really good talent. We built out uh, the, the engineering team as well, like you know much more stronger. And uh, and and um, yeah, that's that's how we started. So from the pivot, so which was in 2018 till sale, it was roughly about one and a half years. Wow, that's that's really uh, that's quite impressive because yeah, 
I mean, I would think it would take half a year to actually build a company, Absolutely. But, no, but, not sell the company. <laughs> yeah, but but the, but then the thing in micro mobility is that you know things move really fast, right? And uh, Cedric and I, we had a very good uh, you know uh, understanding, and and we had a good match. That uh, 2018 we we had this company, and then 2019 we we co-founded Kite as well. Yeah, right? the 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 software uh, stack. Yeah, exactly. Right? Well, things things move fast, but. You you need to move fast if you want to Absolutely. if you want to survive in this industry. You need to uh, pivot and move fast. Yeah. Every two three months, you need to improve your yeah. operations and everything. Right? Absolutely. Same goes for hardware and every, everything, everything that you do. Yeah, everything. Software, hardware, operations. You have a lot of knowledge when it comes to the operations. Mm-hmm. I want to discuss the operations of scooters because at the very at the beginning it was it was a mess mm-hmm. in terms of the charging yeah. uh, scooters laying all over. What was your Opinion when you saw it, and how how did you think about the evolution of the of the industry in terms of the operation? I'm not an expert, but uh, I mean, like I'm not I'm not an expert like others that you would eventually have in the podcast. But uh, you know, it, it's all an experiment experimentation, right? Initially, if you, if you if you look at Bird and uh, Lime and all that, uh, they they had this gig. Uh, worker model exactly. where yeah. you know you, you just put the scooters outside and then uh, maybe these people would take them home and charge and all this stuff right that's that's how we started right and then you know there was a lot of controversy around it and and, and all the money spent because every every charging uh, intervention um, I, th- I think Bird and Lime they were paying like five dollars to ten dollars or whatever right and and there was also a flexible one right where um, the, the, these swappers or or chargers they started spo- spooking the system exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I still <Right>? remember it. <laughs> yeah, so you know, we went from there and all the conversation around gig economy to a model where companies said, "Hey, you know what? We're going to have our own people, and and we're going to charge uh, stuff on our own, right?" And then it it moved to a model where why picking all the scooters to a warehouse? Then you know, rather you could have swappable batteries, right? So so I I think we've had a crazy transformation in the last years to a point where i think you know if you look at companies like dot and voy and tier and all this stuff i think they have like you know very solid operating procedures uh which which i which i i think are are showing results right? and I, yeah and i think we need to mention that all these improvements happened in two years or or, or even very even, less, even much, less. much less much less so so that shows how you know how how the industry learns fast uh, yeah. and I, i cannot wait to see how it's going to be in five years because if you look at the past two years even with the corona a lot of things improved uh, for the for the better and also if you, if you look at the initial days it was the i don't know if you still remember i, I still have a bunch of these scooters it's called it's called the es2s and yes, e, so es2 was the foldable ones and then you had es4s right uh, and uh, we went from that which which were like consumer grade scooters yeah. right and not supposed to be put out for renting exactly. right we from went from there quickly to model max and you know all the okai scooters so the transformation was like pretty fast yeah. right and and it's it's super impressive i i don't think i've i've seen such crazy fast transformation in any other industry yeah exactly exactly so what what i also of course want to discuss uh, besides the the industry is what drives you Mm-hmm. to because you are very passionate yeah uh, i mean everybody in mobility is passionate of course because you need, <laughs> you kind of like become passionate even if you're not because uh you know it's it's crazy what drives you and what makes you really want to like uh, do what you do it, it goes back to to a bit uh, to my childhood so um when i was small uh, and and you know looking at uh, astrophysics and all this stuff a big life lesson that i learned is that you know life is just one shot 
there's actually no purpose meaning in all this stuff unless you dive into spirituality or religion right but actually you know in its raw form there's I, I, we we don't there's no purpose or or meaning right yep. but then this purpose and meaning is something that you define right and and when you think deeper uh, for the time that you spend on earth uh, one you have to be like you know uh, good to others and not create a ruckus but then another thing that you can also do is try to make a mark right or help humanity move forward a little right yeah i'm a, i'm a very small fish but then uh, you know when i think of what i really want to do in life it's about improving quality of life for human beings and one of the things early on that i thought was that if you create jobs right uh, that would actually pull up many families up right yeah. to pull many families up right so my initial focus was on creating jobs across the globe right but right now my my focus is on uh, improving life expectancy for human beings right so so basically you know to, just to come to the point it's it's about pushing humanity forward some way or the other right and then that that's what drives me and and uh, um, the last 3 years there was no break and and i and i love the this whole thing of building companies and 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 you know adding a tiny drop to this mighty ocean in a, in a positive way yeah and i mean and mobility you you do actually like Uh, improve people's lives because you, pro you provide them a way to to move around uh, and you know that that really has an impact on people's lives right It's the mobility see i mean uh, something that we underappreciate is that bicycles like a couple of hundred years ago that 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 uh, bike, bicycles were invented that actually created so much freedom for people right and and played a big role in uh, women's you know uh, movement and, and and all this stuff right and um, if you if you look go just 100 years ago right for probably like thousands of years we uh, had animal cruelty involved in our, our 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 mobility if you think of it i mean we had horses and different animals that was transporting us right just for the last 100 years we kind of moved away from that right and that's when you know when when i hear that you know cars are bad and all this stuff yeah but you know if you look at the 200000 years history we are just 100 years into like you know an iteration where machines are moving us yeah i mean like it has a lot of bad effects but then you but know we could improve on exactly right like we discussed even before the the podcast there's always a balance right yeah uh, if you want to create like a like a real impact yeah. you need to balance things out right yeah. uh, i remember we discussed about um that you cannot ban all the cars absolutely, right absolutely. Uh, so maybe we can like yeah so so yeah I mean, now i got got <laughs> got back your question so um the the interest in mobility is that you know as you create multiple mobility modes right so one of the reason why i was excited for e scooters is that it it is it is actually a, a less polluting movement uh, mobility yeah. vehicle right uh, and and it's a new way to move around right? and it gives access to mobility to maybe a certain uh, demographic yeah. that usually might be less uh, accessible to to mobility right so yeah exactly i mean maybe not the shared ones but at least yeah. the owned mobility ones yeah. uh, i think it would end up becoming much more cheaper than even public transport right so you know when you create multiple uh, modes of transport you have a variety of things that you can choose from Right? Yeah. it's not that you have to take cars all the time but now you have bikes that you take or now you have scooters that you can take yeah. right so i i think that is super exciting so that uh, you know you make intelligent decision on what mode you want to choose right exactly if you look at a couple of 100 years ago probably the only way you could move was like you know uh, torturing an animal 
right? Yeah. Now, now you have multiple other ways. <laughs> now, we have, now we have all these different choices, but I think it's necessary to have these choices because then the people can choose based on, uh, you know, their needs, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think if we really want to have a, a long-term durable solution, uh, we need to change behavior, right? Absolutely. Habits I mean that, and behavior. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I wrote a, a blog post a couple of months ago, I believe, uh, focusing on behavior change, right? Uh, see, one thing that is exciting about all these different modes of uh, mobility is that like, you know, one, it gives choices, right? But then uh, it also pushes you to change your behavior, right? Just an example, which, which I keep bringing up many times is that we are all excited about, you know, looking at uh, Amsterdam and, you know, the generally the Dutch about how the bicycle culture is like really good there. People use bicycles, right? And we try to mimic that, you know, having infrastructure, buying more bikes, right? But then that's not what we had to learn from the Dutch, right? If, if you look at the number of cars per uh, thousand people or hundred thousand people, Netherlands has one of the highest numbers in Europe, within Europe, yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, but, uh, what is interesting about them is that they have cars, they have bicycles, but then they know when to use those cars. They know when to use those bicycles. Probably, they, you know, they are making, they, they are much better than making those choices, right? So what we have to learn from them is like, you know, not just buying bicycles and keeping it, storing it in our house, which we don't use, but then uh, learn how to make these choices, right? So, you know, the the one of the examples that I bring up, uh, which is easy to understand is that most of us, we undergo a physical fitness transformation journey, right? Correct. So uh, at least me, I mean, when I was in Bangalore, I was serving on KFC and MegD and and uh, and Domino's every day, right? And if you're an entrepreneur, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, you, you don't know what to eat. You, exactly. just, you just consume whatever it is, right? But then at one point you say, hey, I mean, maybe what I'm doing is wrong, right? And then you try to learn about uh, macronutrients and calories and all this stuff. And then you bring some order in your life, right? Correct. You change your behavior, right? And then you, in turn, change your own life, right? Correct. And uh, for me, what I feel is that, uh, you know, most of us have to go through this behavior change in mobility as well. Yeah. Right? Based on CO2 emissions or whatever, right? Correct. Um, and, and if you read the blog post, it says that you have to set a target, CO2 emission target for yourself for, for a month. Yep. And choose options based on that, right? Yep. So, for example, if you're using cars more, then you have to uh, relook at every trip. Do you really want that car trip or can you, like, you know, take public transit? And you keep diving down, right? Yeah. One of the things that uh, I put out recently is that if you can walk, don't scoot. If you can scoot, don't drive, right? So it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that's behavior change yeah. for everybody. And and I really hope that you know all these companies that are pushing out different narratives. I really hope that they they latch onto this and 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 push behavior change so that you know users they don't just you know go from walking to scoring but then go from driving to scoring. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. I feel like these uh, I mean these mobility companies they should try to understand the people first because now they provide a solution. Yeah, just like that. And they try to learn from the solution that they provided. But I think it would uh, be beneficial for everybody if you would first try to understand the need of the people. Yeah. Do they really need, uh, you know, scooters there or can they use like bikes or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that is something that still needs to needs to improve. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's about nudging users to uh, use, uh, move from cars to uh, to to scooters. That's something that companies can do, right? Yeah. But then, you know, generally speaking. Uh, scooters if you, if you look at data across the globe it actually replaced walking than exactly I, I, when I saw the data I think you posted it on Twitter or someone else 
I was like, okay, maybe we are not going the right the right way because that's not what. No, we... I mean, see, it is also perspectives. I mean, for me, I, I don't I don't look at uh, Iskudas as uh, you know planet saviors. I look at them as uh, another yet another new way of moving. It's it's a fun way of moving around, right? And it doesn't emit like crazy amounts like whatever other other modes of mobility that we have. And I look at it that way. And it's okay to okay that it is replacing walking. I mean, if if you look at if you go to Brussels and look at people using scooters, I ca- I call scooters as calorie conserving uh, machines yeah. because if you look at people who are using, they are healthy people and uh, they are conserving calories uh, that normally they have to spend walking for two kilometers or one kilometer. Yeah. So conserve that. And then, but then you know, in the evening, if you see they go back into the gym in the gym and then run on a treadmill for <laughs> for I don't know uh, thirty minutes, yeah. right? So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's all in the perspectives. I, I don't think they are they are they are climate or planet saviors. They're just another fun way of moving around, and and that's how we have to look at it. I mean, p- people normally, you know, when I, when I when I write things on Twitter, they think that I hate scooters. I love them. It's just the perspective. It's because you're so passionate about it that you yeah. really care and yeah. Absolutely. I have, a, have, a, have an opinion about that. All right. So uh, I think you briefly uh, discussed the narrative of different companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you go into yep. that aspect a little bit? I would love to to understand your opinion. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't want to name companies, but then, you know, uh, I think within mobility, uh, micro-mobility specifically, there are two sections of companies. One, they push the narrative that they are, they are, they are planet saviors. Right, because scooters, uh, replacing cars, and and you know, car trips probably it would save a lot of CO2 emissions. Mm-hmm. But then there's like enough studies uh, proving that uh, you know most of the trips that are replaced are walking, public transit, and and very little cars. Right. So you know if, if you do a net CO2 emission calculation, I mean you can do it on your own. But uh, at the end of the day, you you will come to a conclusion that the net emissions are higher for for listeners if uh, if they are interested one of the interesting studies which uh, nobody talks about is is a study done by a, a scientist uh, i think a, she's she's an academician called Andu Bortoli i okay. can probably send you a link and you can put it in the show yeah, notes yeah. right and she made an anal- analysis on paris and and a couple of other cities and it 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 actually establishes that the net co2 emission is higher oh wow Right, uh, but but that's the fact. But then you know you can say that here. I mean, we don't care about the trips that are are you know migrated from from walking and public transit. And I'm going to focus just on cars because you know everybody loves to hate cars, right? <laughs> so especially you know, nowadays, it's all yeah. I mean, because it's 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 a narrative that will stick. I mean, if I, if I say that hey, I mean, I'm going to hate cars. I'm going to erase cars from streets. That's a narrative that people want to listen, mm-hmm. right? So there's a bunch of companies doing that, and other companies they are focusing on the fact that they are they are putting out. Uh, a new way of moving around. I mean, it, it can be e-bikes, you know, free-floating e-bikes, free-floating uh, scooters. They're focusing on the fact that they're giving a, an alternate mobility solution. It is like, you know, probably less polluting than cars, but then it's purely about giving people an, an, another option to move from A to B, yep. right? And and I respect them a lot, right? So these are two companies and, and uh, I think they have their own uh, way of working and thinking. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think there are like two strategies, right? Uh, there is a specific uh, company that is yeah. focusing locally yeah. in terms of operations, in terms of how they, uh, they work. So their strategy is locally. Yeah. But then if you are in many markets, mm-hmm. the local uh, strategy actually becomes, you know, like... Uh, has a bigger impact overall, right? Absolutely. And and then you have the other companies who, you know, have a lot of funding, of course, and they just focus uh, on on the whole, like everything, all, all the countries, yeah. and they see it as one. But because 
mobility has to do with like uh, culture and 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 the local you know the local culture and stuff mm-hmm. uh, i think if you really want to have an impact you need to uh, you need to go about it in a locally way i believe yeah i mean i, I think every city is different uh, every exactly. uh, culture is different right um and uh, everything needs a local focus i mean of course i mean if you if you're uh, operating in different cities there are synergies for example you know if you have a centralized engineering team right um there there are there are many things that that, that uh, where you can have some advantage but then when you go to a city i think you need a local uh, approach yeah right? exactly and i think if, yeah um, i think i keep seeing this as well it's a you know micro mobility is a b2g business business to government right and every city is different every rules are different yeah, right so exactly. it needs localization exactly exactly when we look at the markets obviously it grew very fast one thing i also want to discuss is the funding um the funding doesn't stop <laughs> i kind of like want to want to have your opinion on this because it seems like there is no end to the funding they keep putting money into into our industry and what is quite interesting is most operators have the same uh, hardware they use the same hardware uh, the software is very similar i mean you know scan to scan the qr code to 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 start the pricing is also quite similar mm-hmm. but they have a lot of you know uh, funding they are big companies so where do you see this going uh, where where do you see the, the market going because at some points they will need to create customer loyalty or because for a customer it doesn't really matter that yeah. much which brand they use because it's all the same yeah. uh, at this point i think yeah see i, I think we are super early with uh, micro mobility right and we have we haven't reached a maturity level yet right and uh, second point is that in i i know that you know how do you differentiate between each of the was a question uh, always i still remember the, uh, i think it was in the micro mobility conference in berlin where there was a question passed on to everybody every operator and they're like oh we are orange we are we are we are yellow we are green <laughs> right uh, yeah but uh, you know you don't necessarily have to differentiate right so when the market is really big uh, j- just to give, give you give you an example uh, when you go to a train station right yeah. and uh, you you want to pick a bottle of water right there's a bunch of water bottles and then you just pick whatever exactly it doesn't matter right yeah. yeah i mean probably you might look for the one that is your favorite which you commonly use for whatever reason though they all taste <laughs> the same right water is water right yeah but but then at the end of the day you just pick a bottle of water yeah, right correct and uh, if you look at the the water bottle business there's so many brands out there purely because the demand is so high and it can it can accommodate multiple players right okay, yeah. so same same thing for micro mobility as well i mean I, i think the demand is so high that it in if you take a city it can accommodate couple of players okay, right okay. so you don't necessarily have to differentiate that doesn't mean that you have to rest easy right but uh, th- there are operators in in brussels where i use i would walk couple of hundred meters to take that particular scooter than others because i have some connection to that brand right okay um, and and it, it stems from a couple of things one is uh, their belief system their values right um, second is the quality of service okay. right uh, n- normally i mean like pr- probably i'm like you know a bit more uh, observing than other users where i i time the 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 yeah the, i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know opening the phone to unlock yes. I, i normally time it on my watch and see how much time it takes and there are some companies who are actually focusing on that and improving oh, wow. right and and um, normally the service like seamless and i keep using them right okay. so th- there are ways to bring customer loyalty as well but then at the end of the day you know the, the fact is that 
the market is huge and it can take multiple players. Exactly. And I asked that question because when we had a lot of big players, a lot of companies, uh, mass mm-hmm. uh, startups started yeah. to pop up, yeah. but somehow they, they were not able to deliver what they promised. How come? Because for the, for the end user, I think it might be easier if they have one app yeah. that they can use uh, for all these different players, right? True. See, I mean, mass is a completely different subject which might need you know much more deep diving into. General thing is that I, th- I think it was David Sipper who who beautifully wrote that uh, mass hasn't found a business model that works, which is true, yeah, right? That is correct. And, and on the other hand, you know, one of the reason I wouldn't use a mass app than but use native apps from Dot or Voy or all the stuff is because if if you just take Dot app, right, that that you have in Brussels. They kept on improving and iterating on that over two years, right? And 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 the ease of use is like so so good, right? Why would I leave that and open a mass app which is not so good? I mean, I I, I cannot name. I I forced myself to use a bunch of mass apps, right? But I've always gone back to you know native apps of different companies, or if I want to find routing, Google Maps. Right. Yeah, Google Google Maps yeah. is really good at integrating exactly, like, especially the yeah. last few months. So, so this is one side from a user perspective. You know, the 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 experience of using something because you know I think I was mentioning it before before our podcast that users of micro mobility are premium users, Correct. right? And they and they and they demand premium service as well. And I I'm I'm so and and users are so comfortable using those apps natively than using you know mass apps, right? And uh, I was saying that, you know, I forced myself to use mass apps, but then I went back. So this is from a user perspective. From operator perspective, the thing is, I don't think any operator could say that, hey, I mean, I integrated myself into this mass app and I'm like, you know, blown away by the demand. I, I at least I, I haven't heard it. We've had integrations as well and it did not blow our, you know, numbers. But how come? Because that's, um, it would create a convenience for the for the end user, you would think, but... Uh, somehow it, it's not able to, or it was not able to to deliver. Yeah, I mean, see, um, specifically for e-scooters, it works more uh, by visual than apps, right? Yep. So, so what happens is that, especially in cities, people just go to a place, look around. Oh, I, I see a lime scooter. I'm going to, just going to take that, right? It's it's very rare that they they open the app and say, okay, fine, where is a scooter? I'm going to walk half a kilometer get ah, that yeah. scooter. That takes away the whole convenience. Yeah, of, exactly, yeah. exactly. And then, then max probably they might walk say fifty meters, hundred meters. But generally, it, it it works by the fact that they they are at a at at at, at a place, right? And they look around. Oh wow, there's there's tear or voy or dot, right? Yep. I mean, and then they make their choice based on that, right? So so this discovery part that mass offers doesn't make much sense. And and also like I mean, generally mass apps when you open it, it's it's all fully cluttered and and yeah, uh, the user experience and yeah, design, user experience is really really it's bad. not it's not uh, yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. it's not good yet. But I'm sure they will. Um, they they, they can improve it. user yes. experience, but then you know like what uh, David Zipper says, uh, you know they haven't figured out a business model that works. So yeah, <laughs> because I mean, see if 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 you're going through mass, right? Uh, so the the operating companies have have to make money, and the mass uh, companies has to make a tiny portion of and that. And the credit as cards well. take the fee as well, which is pre- pretty high. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So at the end of the day, mass companies make very very tiny, and it doesn't make sense. Now, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't no. really make, make that bu- much sense actually. Now that we talk about it, yeah, from a business perspective, it doesn't make sense, and that's why they are like you know trying to figure out new things about mobility budget and that and this, but uh, we'll see where it goes. Okay, so let's let's have um, a discussion regarding the um, amazing 
scooter companies that we have. Uh, you know, I think Tier now is, is, is valued at 2 billion, which is quite impressive in such a short period of time. Dot and Void, they are also doing uh, amazing things. These are the three biggest uh, companies and they all uh, are a bit different the way they go about things, the way they strategize things. Um, for example, when we look at Tier, they, uh, obviously they are working on their own charging a charging hub, uh, which I believe if they can, you know, work it out, it might be um, not revolutionary, but it will definitely help the industry forwards because it will uh, reduce uh, a pain uh, mm-hmm. and operations. Mm-hmm. How do you look at uh, these this type of things, the way they uh, differentiate themselves and, and their strategy, for example, when you look at Thier with the charging hubs? I'm, I'm glad that companies are experimenting. I, I might have different views on what they what they do, right? I mean, uh, Tier has done an amazing job overall, but uh, the the charging network, um, I I have my doubts. I mean, I really hope that they they succeed in uh, what they do. My problem with the charging stations is that uh, users of e-scooters are premium users, exactly. Right, and uh, if if you've used uh, e-scooters, it normally costs like you know two three euros per ride, right? Or if you're buying a pass, then it's like you know forty fifty bucks on top of the top of the bus pass that you have. Yeah, right? correct. So for you to afford that, you have to have a certain salary. I mean, if you take Brussels, an average salary person cannot use e-scooters on a daily basis, right? It doesn't make sense, right? So if 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 you're okay spending three euros or something, would you? Uh, say, hey, I mean, I want to swap a battery and save one euro. I don't think so, right? Oh, it doesn't so, make any sense. Yeah, so so that's one. And um, second is like, it's it's still to uh, see how these coffee shops and, you know, business establishments react to having charging stations within their premises, given that, you know, it's, it's a dangerous good, right? Yep. And also, I, I don't know how much revenue that brings. So uh, somebody who really swaps to save one euro, would they really go and buy something? I don't know. I have my concerns, but I really like the fact that Tier is experimenting, and I and I really hope that they 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 succeed in that. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think when we look at uh, China and mopeds, mm-hmm. they already have um, like charging hubs, yep. right? I think. Yep. Uh, how come? I mean, we can easily do that as well with uh, with electric scooters, right? Put the charging hubs outside. Yeah. And I mean, especially with e-bikes, mm-hmm. and now with the Okai uh, batteries, they're big batteries. You can just yep. swap them. Yeah. So, I guess. The reason why they want to work together with coffee shops is to also like generate revenue for 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 these uh, coffee shops and stuff. Or yeah, could be. I mean, see, uh, like, like I said, somebody who wants to save one euro, I, I don't know if they would go to that coffee shop and spend five euros, right? But but I don't know. May, maybe you know, it it uh, this entire e thing could become a mass market where it is affordable for everybody, and and uh, you know the the swapping becomes a practice, right? User swapping becomes a practice. In Asia, it works because uh, it is used by many, right? It's it's not focused on a premium segment, but uh, focused on everybody. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't think we can compare that with what is happening here because we haven't reached this mass adoption yet. But when we reach mass adoption, maybe I mean, like you know, out of say uh, two thousand people using it, ten fifty, ten or fifty people swapping, maybe. And it, it again, to reach the sorry, to reach the the mass adoption, it has to do with behavioral change, right? Yeah, it's behavior change, it's, pricing. There, exactly. There's so many things, and and we are not there yet, and, yep. and I think it's 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 a long way to go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to discuss something amazing that just happened uh, recently, uh, an acquisition. Thier bought Nextbike. I always wondered uh, how come uh, uh, none of these other scooter companies uh, bought uh, like a bike share, traditional bike share before, because 
it makes so much sense yeah. to acquire like a traditional bike share because they have so much knowledge. Yeah. They've been around for many years, mm -hmm. uh, are in many territories, have the know-how, the people, and of course they they will you know definitely support you by uh, with winning tenders because yeah. you know locally they are they are very strong. Yeah, yeah. See, I mean, I, I think traditional bike share um, doesn't get the appreciation that it deserves because you know they, they've been. Uh, for a, around for a very long time and they were f not focused on premium segment but you know offering mobility to all right i mean whether whether they were profitable eco economically viable that's a, that's secondary but then you know with subsidies and everything i think they did their job and um, in terms of the acquisition tier made i strongly feel that uh, it would it's a, it's a very smart play that would bring them much closer to cities yeah, exactly. Right? Because uh, I think said, I said that a few minutes ago that uh, this entire micro mobility business is a B two G business, right? It's not it's not a B two C, a B two B business, right? So the more you win the trust of governments, the more tenders you win. The more tenders you win, the more scores you have. The, the the much bigger your your user base and business grows, right? And I think it's it's a very smart move. I, I don't know what uh, the reasoning was behind the um, acquisition, but. Uh, I strongly feel that it's 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 going to be super positive for them. Yeah, exactly. And Thier just became one of the biggest bike share yep. uh, companies with exactly. that acquisition, right? Uh, I wonder if they will continue to use the the current hardware of of Next Bike or if they will introduce the new. Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Right. We'll it's, see. That's exciting. It's, uh, e bikes are super challenging. So, um, I mean, if if you go out there, there's. I mean, normally people reach out to me asking, "Hey, I mean, which e-bike do you recommend?" I would say none. <laughs> but so, so yeah. I mean, we will see. Building a good e-bike takes a lot of iterations, a lot of years, and I think the you know the industry is still not where it should be. I guess to have a really good good e-bike. True. I mean, at at Bond we build our own e-bike, uh, but uh, you know where we were focusing on uh, the customer experience, so we were trying to. Uh, match the same experience that you would have have on a Stromer bike, yeah. right? And uh, it it is not so easy. I mean, un unless you know what you're doing, it's yeah. very difficult. You can you can run into problems, and uh, every problem is like you know a lot of cash burnt as well, right? And so so it's not like software where you know something goes wrong and then you 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 just sit uh, overnight and code and change things. It's very difficult. Yeah, exactly. A few um, micro mobility players started off trying to make their own bike. Mm -hmm. But I guess they realize that it's very difficult to be a software company mm -hmm. and also do hardware, but also be an operator. No, no, but I you mean, guys were able to do it, right? Yeah, That's I mean, it's it's uh, it is difficult, but it's it's not uh, impossible, right? But if you if you if you succeed in being an a very good operator, a very good software company, but with your own hardware, like, you know, everything smooth, seamlessly integrated. I think that's that's a right play, but uh, it's extremely difficult. Yeah, I think if you, you know, um, want to succeed, you need to have it in-house, right? Uh, because otherwise... So so it's like this, you know, if, if you really don't know, then just go buy off the shelf and run it, right? Get to a maturity where you have like sufficient cash to experiment on on hardware development and then do it, right? But on the other hand, if you have a solid team that knows uh, how to build bikes, how to build software and operations, I, I, th I think it's best to do in, in, internally. But then know that, you know, any mistake that you make in hardware, it's going to be like, you know, a couple of millions per month. Yeah. Okay, I have one question. Na name one company that is able to successfully do the hardware, software and operation. <laughs> and there are a lot of micro mobility players yeah, in the yeah. See, I, 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 um, I respect uh, what Lime achieved so far. Um, oh, true. Lime, uh, they were with their scooter. 
The yeah. very first one? The yeah. So they, they, they were one of the first ones to have a very large engi- engineering team building their own hardware. Uh, Bird, uh, they, they started building their own as well. Uh, that, that I respect. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of comment on on, on uh, the Lime scooter and Bird scooter and all this stuff. But then, you know, I, I really uh, respect them for the fact that they managed to take that risk. I mean, of course, they burnt a lot of, you know, a lot of millions. But then, you know, they, they got something out, which is still on the streets. They also received a lot of millions, of course. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and uh, Jump, for example. Right. Um, and then th- th- there are a bunch of companies that are, that are doing pretty good. Actually, that did um, pretty good. yeah, actually, the, the, the Lime scooter, the lifetime is quite quite impressive i think yeah. because yeah. I, I, I think there are still some early lime scooters in the czech republic now true and uh, i mean if you if you see the 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 latest models they are they are pretty good i mean i'm i'm very sure that they spend much more money than you know tier or other companies that would just buy uh, scooters when when you look at the net amount spent but then i i think it it was a good iteration for them and on the other hand you know if, if you look at okai or segway they have a very big uh, r&d budget as well i mean if if i'm not if i'm not wrong i think in 2020 segway spent close to like 70 million uh, a very big number just on r&d right and and i don't i don't think we have companies that have the appetite to spend like 70 million in r&d right so uh, that also puts uh, you know these companies in a disadvantage i mean if if you look at 2018 one of the biggest talks was like, okay, I mean, we have to build our own hardware, right? I mean, I'm not talking about e-bikes. E-bikes is a different play, yeah. but even for scooters, right? But then companies that spend so much energy... You cannot in, compete, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you spend one year building something. In the meantime, Segway and Okai came up with like, you know, six different models, yeah, right? So uh, it, it doesn't make sense. They have the know-how, they have the, the, the cash yeah. and, and, and the people to actually, you know. Exactly, exactly. So if, if you cannot match their speed, then then there's no point. But luckily, you know, Lime and Bird, they had, uh, they, they did work with uh, these companies, but then they had their, um, you know, sufficient funding for them to, to take that risk. But it was, it was also interesting to see that, uh, I think it was in Paris, I saw some Okai scooters that Lime put out. Uh, and uh, recently there was a picture of, a bird scooter, uh, which was Okai scooters rebranded. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 very difficult to build your own. Hardware. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's a challenge. Uh, yeah, yeah, especially when it comes to bikes, because uh, even the 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 actual bike providers are mm-hmm. still like iterating and improving, right? So yeah, for for e-bikes, the problem is that for consumer e-bikes, there's uh, sufficient companies building those bikes, but then uh, shared bikes are not exactly the same as those. From, from from electrical architecture and, and many other things because you have an IoT that controls everything. So so that's and also like you know the, the entire thing should be durable, uh, easily maintainable and all that, right? So it's it's very difficult. And there there are not many companies that are building these shared bikes. Maybe also because you know there's not a lot of demand either, right? So though though we see that uh, you know there are there are e bike you know companies want to get into e bikes. If you look at the number of e scooters that they would order this year versus E-bikes, exactly. Scooters are still a better play than e-bikes. Exactly, exactly. Uh, where do you see uh, the market going? The the micro mobility market. So, do you think more more companies will start to be multimodal? Because a few already have you know e-bikes, but yeah. also e-scooters. But I think I'm not sure if Voy already implemented e-bikes. They uh, they had some um, trials with e-bikes. They, they were in fact one of the first ones to introduce e-bikes. Uh, I think it was in 2000. 
19 i believe they had a big event with e-bikes and cargo bikes and all this stuff i remember and uh, they they won the tender for oslo or st- yeah something like that something like that, something okay. like that. but uh, and 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 i think recently they partnered with a company uh, to to have e-bikes for a specific city so oh, okay. e- everybody they're trying so i, I think a couple of things might happen one is like e-scooter companies that say that hey i want to be a multimodal and invest into like you know buying very expensive bikes bikes are expensive than scooters like three three times more uh, and and if you look at taxes and and transport oh, and everything the import, the import taxes yeah. uh, is crazy yeah. yeah and it could be like you know four times more than what a scooter is right so they might realize that oh i mean that's a completely different ball game and and it's a, it's a completely different business and they might start refocusing on scooters that might happen but uh, companies with a lot of cash they might become multimodal right but then again we 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 have to see how this entire free floating bike sharing will pick up as well right if you look at jump and many other companies we haven't had like a crazy success story yet right uh, especially in europe obviously you have the traditional ones yeah. uh, the you know um next bike and so yeah. on yeah. but in terms of the new new startups yeah. um haven't seen any exactly bike share. free floating bike sharing assets i I mean this this not I mean Bond we we did uh, operate in Zurich which was pretty good but then it wasn't the normal e-bike it was speedy bikes so okay, there was yeah, a, yeah. there was a completely different category of vehicle right yeah. so it it is it is yet to be seen but you know for many companies when when they know that they're limited to say 1000 scooters in a in a in a city right the only way they can expand is like adding another mode right which is an e-bike or an e-moped right will they will they have all that forever we don't know we we have to see yeah exactly right? but i i feel that you know companies with a lot of cash they might have like a lot of scooters a certain percentage of uh, e-bikes and e-mopeds just to say that hey i mean we are multimodal yeah. right uh, but in terms of how the industry moves it's very difficult to say we are very very early right and i strongly feel that uh, it will still be like you know a b2c business right where uh, you know all these cities will go on what should happen and how many scooters should be there and how it should operate right uh, but uh, on the other hand i i strongly feel that some of these companies will also shift their focus from uh, shared to owned oh that's that's interesting yeah, yeah there's something that i uh, was saying for quite some time is that if you look at the global market right owned is owned the biggest it's like much bigger than shared right and even for heavy users in cities where they 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 you know use scooters and they like it yeah immediately what they do is like you know they go buy, buy one for like 300 bucks or 400 bucks exactly right and the the sufficient data like for example you know i think it was in in, in a period between 2018 and 2019 i believe in in south korea uh, out of half a million e scooters imported 90% of them were for were owned scooters and uh, if you look at uh, data from france i think in 2019 or, or 2020 i think about 600k uh, scooters were, uh, were were sold and most of them were uh, were owned as well right so uh, and uh, you know and and you know if if you look at uh, companies operating in say paris or or many other cities right governments decide whether this company should be there or not right Correct. from a shared perspective Correct, yeah. what if tomorrow uh, the government decides hey i mean it's not these three companies it's going to be another set of three companies yeah right for you to stay relevant in a market you have to capture this own market as well which is like much bigger okay but do you think they will go into the or they will enter the own markets through actually like selling these um, scooters or, or bikes because 
they have big com competition. For example, Segway is the biggest yep. and it's hard to, to, to compete. Or do you think they will enter this market by providing different business model, for example, leasing? Or long-term yeah. leasing, for example. Yeah, I, th I think today uh, the entire market is dominated by companies like Segway. Exactly, right? yeah. And that's where they are comfortable. I mean, they, they don't make a lot of noise in the shared market. And we think that, hey, I mean, they, they lost, but they are they winning. They own the yeah. own market. They are winning. And, and, and uh, 2020, I believe, uh, probably close to half a billion of their sales came from e-scooters. Like owned e-scooters, and uh, uh, in 2019, I think Amazon placed an order for 17 million dollar worth of e-scooters, right? So that's a massive market, right? So uh, and and if you look at shared uh, companies, an advantage that they have is that they accumulated so many users, so they have a very large user base that they can reach out to. There are multiple models. I know that you know some companies they they try out leasing. Like for example, Bird has a has a leasing program in the US, which is popular. Like you pay twenty five dollars a month, you 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 get a scooter. Uh, I don't know how successful right now it is, but then you know that's a model that companies yeah. can freely. You, you guys were doing that as well yeah, for car Actually, rates. yeah, or 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 model was almost like an owned um, owned uh, scooter yeah. for for the company actually. Yeah. Right? So, so so that's that's one model that companies might tap into. I don't think, you know, this refurbished uh, shared scooters, which users can own, I don't think that is a good model just that just because it is bulky and you cannot carry around. But uh, there are companies like, for example, Bird and Helbus, they are silently building uh, a portfolio of owned scooters. I think recently there was an announcement from Bird where you had like, you know, the, the yeah, small the scooters small for, kids, for kids. Yeah. And then there was like a foldable scooter for adults and then an e-bike. And uh, Bird is, was also like building a network of dealer dealerships. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if you look at Belgium, I think they, there's a bunch of dealer network that they already, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. They they already have a dealer network, and I I strongly feel that that's a that's a good move to make. That's actually a, a great way to expand um, yeah. through dealership. Yeah, especially, you know, if you have your own engineering teams, like uh, what um, Bird has, you can use that for shared um, scooter building, right? And you can also use them for other, these kind of products because, you know, your your core team has expertise in building these products. So, uh, and and uh, I wouldn't be surprised in a couple of years if, if you know, we know Bird as, you know, this personal mobility, owned mobility company rather than a shared company. Yeah, exactly. I forgot about it because I know Bert announced this dealership thing a few years ago, but then it was a bit quiet yeah. around it. Uh, so I thought they would they stopped it, but uh, apparently it's still. Uh, I, I I hope they don't they don't they don't drop it like you know many other very good initiatives that they started. Like the credit card. I mean, they had like yeah, a the, payments. the pay, and they had like you know connecting local businesses mm -hmm. and all this stuff. I, I hope they don't drop it like that. They they I hope that they push yeah, forward. It's a good thing. And and one, one more thing in this model that not many. Uh, uh, kind of experimented is merging this owned and shared, uh, you know, services, right? So uh, if if you if you remember a couple of years ago, we had this drive now in uh, Brussels. Correct. So it's a so it's like you know premium cars like one series or something from BMW that you find in the streets uh, that you can you know rent out, yeah. right? You can you can use. But uh, I, I I feel that BMW failed in connecting this owned and shared experience. So for example, you know you as a BMW owner. Right, if you own a BMW car, and say for example you pay, I don't know, yearly a fee, yeah, right, and and you get access to these shared BMW cars across Europe, right? It's extra it's, added value. In yeah, it. exactly. I mean, for example, I, I I say that I have a BMW in Brussels that I own, and I'm in Munich tomorrow, and I can use a BMW there. Makes right? sense. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think they missed an opportunity, and 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 uh, 
probably all these micro mobility companies maybe they have a shot at experimenting at that for example you know uh, bird yeah that, that has personal devices say that you buy a bird bike right and say that, and and uh, probably it gives access to all the bird scooters in the city when when you're in the city yeah right that that would make sense right yeah i, th- I, th- I think you know these kind of business model innovations might make sense yeah yeah, yeah. i'm super excited for what to, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what to come we don't know what to expect because the 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 markets i mean the industry evolves so so fast Absolutely. and they try so many different things uh, actually to to get back to the multimodal uh, topic there is actually a company in in holland mm-hmm. that is multimodal when i think about it go sharing, go sharing. Yeah. Uh, they have cars now yeah. mopeds e-bikes i'm not sure about scooters though mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they have scooters as well uh, i don't know i don't think okay. scooters are legal yet so ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in, in but it's it's quite it's quite impressive to see that they they are able to have these three different uh, modes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they started in 2019 i think so yeah it, it is difficult to you know uh, have multiple, yeah because e scooters uh, for people who get into this business they they would understand the e scooters are very different from uh, from business model perspective and operations pers- perspective it is different from e bikes e bikes are different from cars and so yeah it's like you know building three different companies yeah, yeah exactly especially in terms of like the operation stuff yeah. uh, battery recharging i mean yeah, yeah, if you have yeah. a shared car it's it's, it's whole. exactly i mean see for 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 scooters and bikes I was kind of bullish when um, when there was uh, I think it was Okai that came up with a model which actually used the same battery for scooters and yeah, and exactly. uh, bikes, and bikes right? yeah. and I think Jump also also was experimenting on it that makes sense right so so you find two different different uh, modes two different vehicles completely different form factor but then you have from a ops perspective you have some commonalities right yeah. so you have the same battery side to swap uh, efficiency yeah. yeah exactly so that would make sense yeah exactly even though the market is still uh, relatively uh, small a lot of money has been invested to it but also a lot of startups are now doing spacs <laughs> tell me a little bit uh, what is your opinion on 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 uh, these uh, you know companies doing spacs because it's 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 a trend think yeah i see i mean at the, at the end of the day for for investors who invest into these companies they have to have an exit exactly, right yeah. and uh, if if you look at uh, bird or or even helbus and all these companies right if if you look at the the start to exit right which is pack mm-hmm. um it was very short right and 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 i think it was pretty good for some of the investors i mean some would have lost money if in case they they uh, invested in a much higher valuation but for many it it, it gave a good exit window Right. Yeah. Do you think uh, European startups will also go that that way? Because I think I, Bert, I mean, Halbis is American as well. I think um, they are. Um, I, I think they were Ita- Italian, but then yeah. they they moved their HQ to uh, to okay. US. European companies will they do it? I, I think so. I think so. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, for example, tier IPOs very soon. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong in it. I mean, it's it 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 also yeah, it's, opens up uh, a new way of raising funds as well. If if you look at Tesla or or Neo, exactly. Neo for example, you know after they spack after they did the spack after after the listing, they managed to raise multiple rounds of funding just from public markets, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it gives a new way of raising funds as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it 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 all depends on you know how um, how these how this capital is like intelligently allocated, but uh, it also gives these companies much more risk potential as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it gives them a runway and and uh, yeah. you know a look into the and future. And helps them iterate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you know, 
we discussed the the micromobility industry you know the those early days those uh, those wild days we also looked at some individual companies and their and their strategy looking back now what do you think could have been improved from mm-hmm. from from the companies where do you think we missed an opportunity to really improve things to to do things better uh, for example we discussed uh, some companies that tried out their own own e-bike mm-hmm. obviously that did not work for everybody but they learned right uh, yeah. and they moved on so see in in, in terms of uh, the last three years how we got here i think it went well right yeah. i mean in in terms of iterations and you know segway and okai helping out yeah. all of us right but um, in terms of what we could have done better i think some of the companies could have stayed in their cores and 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 stayed truthful not pushing like you know fake or false narratives right yeah. uh, i mean it did help them grow but then i i don't think that is right right i, I don't i don't want to name those companies but then you know companies saying that uh, you know e scooters are green or 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 some companies saying that hey i mean for every kilometer that you travel you you're actually removing co2 from from uh, being emitted yeah. you know i i think from a narrative perspective uh, most companies could have done better yeah. right and that's why i have like huge respect for companies that stay grounded and 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 not say that they're climate or planet saviors right uh, but yeah I, th- i think other than that uh, from a product perspective if you look at the two or three years that we had and the scooters that we have right now they yeah i mean they i mean the, the the scooters that we have in the streets right now compared to years four because i have a bunch of years fours as well we have we have, mm. we have gone like you know We we did grow really. Yeah, early. I remember riding an ES4 and then Brussels over those uh, yep. cobblestones. Yeah, uh, it was not uh, <laughs> exactly. <comfortable. laughs> exactly. But if you look at the the recent dot scooters, they are very comfortable. Lime scooters, Voy, yeah. all, all these are like I mean, I think Okai and Segway they did an amazing job. So overall, I think we did really well from software perspective. We we matured from you know going from white label software from most of these companies having their own and and we see that those changes as well reflecting. Correct. and from iot perspective uh, things are improving as well yeah. I, i think i think there there could be much more done from a from a iot perspective because right now some companies they look at us it as a device that just connects the scooter to the cloud lets you lock and lock but i think you can do much more with the data that you gather you can do a lot of proactive maintenance uh, with with the data okay. that you gather like you, you would know when like for example a motor would fail or or battery would fail course, right yeah, yeah. so it's like you know having preventive maintenance in place right yeah. and and very few companies have this entire loop closed if if you have scooters uh, that have a lot of data data right that they collect from subsystems that pump it out uh, through uh, the iot yeah. right and if iot's can have localized de- decision making power right Uh, it can actually mark the scooters by itself saying that hey i mean i'm i, I can operate right now oh, yeah of course yeah you know what i mean yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah so you know th- those kind of things can improve and i i don't see a lot of companies doing that mm-hmm. correct but i think i think i mean like you said we also need to give credits to the to the industry because absolutely it's still very early but we had almost two years of of a global pandemic and i was very surprised to see how they were able to start over again and reach higher levels than they uh, had before so that's yeah yeah quite, quite I, i don't know the recent data but uh, that's a good point that you brought up i mean if you look at the three four years of uh, you know this e scooter craze yeah. uh, two solid one and a half uh, yeah i mean more than yeah. a year solid was like you know uh, lockdowns and everything and then we still have these companies around and raising funds they and, are bigger than ever now it's it's, yeah. it's crazy 
Yeah, so uh, I think I think we have to give them credit. Yeah. Right. Not okay. not many per- perished. I mean, pro- probably some smaller ones perished, but the bigger ones, uh, though they had challenges, they are they are still around. Yeah, it's quite impressive. I want to kind of like close the the, the micro mobility topic here. Now I want to you know know a little bit more about your future, your next venture. You you are not working in mobility. I mean, even though you're still on Twitter, <laughs> uh, you know, sharing your 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 opinion stuff, yeah. uh, which you will probably always do because you're so passionate. What is next for Prabin? Okay. So it's been a couple of years in mobility, right? And and uh, it's it's a it's a very important problem to solve, you know, providing alternate uh, mobility options, Correct. right? And at Bond, uh, we uh, we were focusing on, you know, giving a vehicle that actually uh, average distance is much higher so that it, it replaces much more car trips, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, in, in terms of thinking what to do next, uh, something that I'm super passionate about is human longevity. So human longevity is uh, like, for example, if you take 1950s or, or early, early uh, say, 1920 or something, our average life expectancy was very, very less. Right. Correct. Just yeah. to give you an idea, in 1950, I think the global uh, average life expectancy was around 42 years. So people on an average at birth, right? I mean, they, they lived only 42 years. And now uh, after 70 years, we are at 72. Yeah. So so we are at almost about 30 years to our average life expectancy. And there's, there's something called healthy life expectancy, which is still lower. I think it's about 63 average, right? And... I strongly believe that human beings with all the advance, advance, advancements in technology and Correct, everything, yeah. we could easily live 100 years. And um, 100 years in a healthy way, yeah, right? Of course, yeah. So, <laughs> and, uh, and, and for human beings to live for a very long time, there are multiple uh, elements that contribute to it. So there's like food, uh, there's fitness, there's uh, healthcare, there's also early diagnosis. So, you know, knowing your body yeah. and, and understanding, you know, what's happening and, and, and uh, detecting early you know, signs yep. of diseases, right? And and uh, mental health, there's so much, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I'm trying to tackle this and, and uh, you know, fo- wow. fo- and, and focus on <laughs> helping human beings live longer. So I'm building a company around it and yeah. uh, raising funds right now. Hopefully, uh, I, I would announce it very soon. But uh, but yeah, raising Looking funds for it, it right now. And in a way, you will, you will continue with, with your journey and, uh, and impacting people's lives. Uh, actually, Absolutely. Because, Absolutely. you know, that industry will allow people to actually live longer so. yeah live live live, uh, live longer live happier live uh, healthier yeah. and uh, and also like you know in the, in the in the overall scheme of what what I'm doing th- th- there's also a component which also reduces uh, overall co2 emissions so there's like you know multiple factors that wow, contribute okay. to it yeah. right so this is one uh, that that I'm working on and second uh, my mom passed away recently and uh, she was battling cancer oh, for a very long time yeah. and uh, I'm planning to set up a foundation to to help uh, people in, in, in certain countries that don't have the means to, like, I mean, pay for medical expenses, right? And also help them with early diagnosis of diseases, right? I mean, for example, my mom uh, lived for, I think, eight, ten years after diagnosis, purely because we could uh, give her very good health care and, and, you know, good food and good uh, care, right? Yeah. But many people, they don't have it, right? Yeah. And they die just because they could they couldn't pay for one chemotherapy session, and so this is something that uh, that 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 I want to support them with. That, so there are there are two things that I'm that's working. That's really great, great things, actually. That's that's great, great of you. I have to say, I've known you for for many years and mobility. I want to thank you for you know coming to this podcast, discussing the you know the industry, uh, which we always do on Twitter either way. So now we we might as well record it. 
what I also wanted to, to mention to kind of like conclude is when I worked with you with Freel, we were able to do some, some really amazing things at yeah. a very, you know, low budget, but just because we were passionate. I remember when we were in Saudi Arabia and I was calling you because we, our scooters were yeah. at the airport in Hamburg. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, these are the types of funny stories that, <laughs> uh, that you know, we share with uh, other mobility sure. enthusiasts. But uh, I mean, not, not many know. I mean, you, you guys were like super early to the, to the market as well. Uh, I mean, not, not many know. Uh, would have heard about Freel right now, but then you, you guys were super early in, in the industry. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we were able to to do some some great things, especially in terms of the business model. Yeah. Uh, because I'm not sure if still it's done now, but the business model of Freel was quite sustainable, I would say. Absolutely. Because we had, you know, people pay for e-tool scooters. Yeah. And uh, like a year contract or, or a two-year yeah. contract yeah. even for, you know, so that was quite uh, an innovative thing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and and also thank you so much for inviting me and, and uh, thank you so much for the podcast because like I said initially, I mean, we, we need voices across the globe and I'm really happy that uh, you, you, you are you're providing a platform for voices from Europe. That is that is the goal, and I hope uh, you know we will reach uh, many many listeners and absolutely uh, attract. So wishing uh, you all the all, the, all <laughs> the best. All right, thank you very much. Maybe uh, closing remarks before we go. Where do you see the industry going in the next six months? I remember I already asked you generally, uh, but it's hard to to say it over a long period, right? But in the next six months, so 2021, I thought it's going to be the year of e-bikes. Right. I, uh, I, I, I think I, I, I did put out a tweet or a LinkedIn post early 2021 saying that this is going to be the year for e-bikes. But it did not happen because uh, the, the, the second and, yeah. yeah the, the lockdowns and everything. And if things get better, I think 2022 is going to be the year of e-bike experimentation across the globe. Uh, I, I think every player would, whether, whether they understand the business model or not, I think they would just buy a bunch of e-bikes from Okai or Segway and, and they would put, put them in the streets. Okay, I guess we will have to wait and see. Absolutely. Um, thank you very much. And thank you. Everybody, thank you for listening. <laughs>